You're welcome to Sports Analysis Network Football Weekend Recap Show. This where we give this where we give you a review of some of the games that went down across the top five leagues in Europe. This is the only podcast where we talk about games from the top five leagues in Europe, from the Premier League to the Spanish La Liga, uh, to this uh, to the Italian Serie A, to the Bundesliga and the French League. Huh? Uh, I shall be having a regular analyst on the show. Maliberi will join me to talk about the Premier League. Alaji will join me to talk about the Spanish La Liga. We shall be having Toby to discuss games from the Bundesliga and the Horn. And finally, uh, Tobeski will also join me to talk about the games that some of the games that went down in the Serie A. Grab a earpiece and join me on this wonderful ride. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Ah, Malik Berry, welcome back to the show. Yeah, we did predict that Chelsea were going to beat were going to beat West Ham. That in fact West Ham stood no chance against Chelsea. But then, to your surprise and to everyone's surprise, the Amar Chelsea had the London Stadium by three goals to two. Now this season they've beaten Liverpool, they've beaten Chelsea, they've beaten Manchester City, they've beaten uh, they've beaten um, Manchester United. I mean, this Moises. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Moises' side is the best side outside the top six. Thank you for having me. I have to confess, I never saw this coming. Honestly speaking, I I felt Chelsea was going to do justice to to the West Ham side. But kudos to David Moyes. In fact, they are doing. I I, I it will be very very hurting to see them not finishing the top four this season. You know, it will it will be very disastrous. Let me put it that way. That seeing them miss out in the top four race. Because they are really, really trying, you know, beating Chelsea, mind you, Liverpool and the likes. It's, 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 a, it's a great job to to David side. And I have to say, I have to commend his substitution and his, his tactics, you know. Today, bringing in, in Lanzini for, for Ben Rama. And this guy, I don't know why people are not talking much about him. Pablo Fornals is a wonderful player. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful player. Kudos to West Ham United once again. Kudos to them. Man, let's talk Chelsea. I mean, they've now won just one out of their last three games, and it's no surprise that they now find themselves uh, in, in top spot. I mean, in this race, you can't uh, just afford to slag off. Uh, but then it's lack of goals in Chelsea's attack that worries me the most. I mean, Romelu Lukaku is there, goes, I mean, the top scorer of all Chelsea attackers this season, three goals, and two of the goals is called was against Arsenal in September. I mean, this should be a worry for Chelsea, for Thomas Tuchel. I mean, going, I'm mean, going forward. And it might also and it might also hinder Chelsea's aspirations of winning the Premier League. That's Premier League for you. That is Premier League for you. Just a sleep, you know, and you find yourself where you don't want to be. Just this week, Chelsea was sitting top of the table. And just a game. Just losing a game. He's now sitting number three. Chelsea is now third. That is crazy. That is so 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 crazy. Well, about Chelsea, about Chelsea attackers not getting goals at this moment, I wouldn't read much meaning into it right now because the goals are coming in. Even if these attackers are not scoring goals, Lukaku in particular, if he's not scoring goals, the goals are coming in for the thing. You know, the wing back are scoring, the midfielders are scoring, the wingers are scoring. If Lukaku is not getting in on the action right now. That shouldn't be a problem. I believe the goals will come. The goals will come later on. He just needs to keep his composure, you know, keep fit. I know it works hard. So the goals will come. 
at least Chelsea are averaging like a goal or two goals per game. So that's actually okay. Not bad. Not bad. But they just need to, you know, to keep Lukaku in the game. They have to, you know, give him a a momentum to build on, you know. Just let him focus. Give him what he wants. You know, feed him in every area. You will get the goals. He's a, he's a world-class striker. So that shouldn't be a problem. Yes, Liverpool defeated Wolverhampton uh, uh, one draft by a goal to Nicotzi of the goal at the death from Liverpool. I mean, how many times have we seen this guy save Liverpool? But then Liverpool, despite things, I mean, despite things not going their way, but then they find the three points at the end of 19 minutes. I mean, that is stuff of champions from the Reds. I, for one, I feel Divock Origi shouldn't be settling for a bench role as Liverpool. Honestly speaking, he is a good player. He may not be a world class or you know uh, top ten striker in the world, but at least he's a decent striker. I say decent because I see him as above average. So I would say he's a decent striker. So and this is not the first time he's saving Liverpool. Even a game against West Ham, he came on and he, he scored a fantastic goal. You know, for just a few minutes that he was on the on, on the pitch. So I believe he should, you know go outside Liverpool because staying in Liverpool means he will never, never, ever, you know, get that starting role in Liverpool. That's just the bitter truth. You need to face it. So you need to make that decision for himself. You know, it may hurt him later in the future and it may, you know, be a, 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 a well-reasoned decision for him later on. He just needs to, to go outside Liverpool, if not Premier League. Go to other clubs and, you know, start fresh. So that's just I see what Dibago is, but he's a good and decent striker, honestly speaking. Yes, Manchester City took no time <laughs> after Chelsea lost to West Ham, defeated Watford at the Vicarage Road by three goals to one. I mean, Bernardo Silva again showing his color, showing his, I mean, being at his brilliant best. I mean, but my name, but, but I have these thoughts. I mean, there's this thing I have with me, there's this inkling, or there's this uh, nugget that I have with me, there's this nugget that I have with me that whenever Manchester City Sit at top of the table. It is difficult for anyone to catch them. I mean, what? I mean, where are you on this? Do you think anyone can catch? Do you think anyone can catch City? Do you think? Do you think this is East can still go either way? Whether whether Manchester City, Liverpool, or Chelsea? I think City was too hot, or should I say, too much for Watford to handle, because City had all the stars, <laughs> the manager, you know, the they are the favourites. So I I wasn't surprised. And with Chelsea dropping points, I knew right from onset that City was going to win the game. They were going to put in everything to win the game. And Bernardo Silva, wow, wow, wow. He's having a fantastic season so far. Fantastic season so far. And I have to applaud him for the fact that he opted his game a little bit into scoring more goals. Before, we all know him to be this assist provider, you know, or midfielder tackling marking passes dribbles but now he opted his game a little bit to scoring goals and it's, which is quite fabulous quite fabulous so city <laughs> sitting top of the table and you know people know uh, other teams not catching them i don't think that will be the scenario this season i don't think so because regardless of the fact that chelsea drop points today i still believe city is going to drop point as well liverpool maybe Chelsea, maybe. So, I believe the title race is still wide open for the three of them. I have to say the three of them because I don't see 
any other club apart from these three you know winning the premier league this season so i have to say the title race is still open for the three of them so regardless of city you know clinching to the first right now i still believe yeah, I see element of surprises, you know, for us to encounter eh, as the season progresses. Ha, Malibari had Manchester United defeated Crystal Palace by a goal to Nicole C of that goal from Fredino, Fred himself. I mean, that is now three defeats in three for uh, Patrice Evra. But then, what a start for, for, uh, for Raf Ragnick. I mean, what changed? I mean, did he see any change in this encounter from Manchester United? Kudos to Fred. The goal was a sublime goal. Seriously, it was a fantastic goal with a weaker foot. So I really, really enjoyed the goal. And to prove his critics wrong, he has been fantastic of late. He game against Arsenal, he was, for me, the man of the match, you know, getting an assist and winning a penalty. And also in this game, he was everywhere, you know, running around, winning tackles, passing, and eventually got the goal to reward himself with. Well, Manchester United game so far, I can say to myself that the past United I used to know are based on during social regime, are based on counter attack, and this new coach is trying to you know put the ball down and you know pass the ball around. It's not working quite well for them. Maybe they are getting new, getting used to the tactics, but isn't bad. At least they they got the result they they wanted against Kisapara. So I believe it's a good good run for them. Ah, yes, Tottenham Hotspur also defeated uh, Norwich by three goals to nil. And what a goal from Lucas Moura. That goal was fantastic. It must be up there as one of the goals of the season. Now, Tottenham Hotspur under Antonio Conte have now won their last three games. They are just two points off the top, a, a place in the top four. And, he, and they have a game in hand. I mean, at this point, you surely can't rule them out of finishing in top four, in it. Oh my, oh my, oh my, what a goal. It seems the Brazilians are, are scoring a cracker these days. Well, Lukamura, as we all know him to be, is a fantastic player. We don't need to deliberate on that. He's a fantastic player. And I'm not surprised getting goals for himself. He's good. I thought him, you know, challenging for top four. He's <laughs> not a shocker to me. He's not something new because they have Antonio Conte. We all know he's going to, you know, make an impact with the club but what we are not sure is whether it's going to be an instant impact or you know later impact but i'm glad is is beginning to <clears throat> to yield positive results for them so and i believe the top four is let me say the fourth sports slot in particular is going to be a tough one because we already know the top the top three which is uh, liverpool man city and chelsea i don't know how to to show it around but I, i'm very very sure the three of them are going to you know, holds the top three spots. So the fourth position, the fourth slot, I'm thinking of West Ham, Spurs, and Arsenal. And even Manchester United is, is still, still even in a race. So it's going to be a, a, a long hurdle for these four clubs. And I believe Tottenham, as far as it is, they are in the top four battle. Uh, Malik Berry, it has been good having you on the show to discuss Premier League football. Do enjoy your week. Yeah, Alaji, welcome back to the show. Yes, if you don't know him, Yes, he's called, he's fondly called Alaji, but his name is Ibrahim Moise Olai John. Yes, and uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, let's talk about the Spanish Liga. Let's start with the game that went down at the camp. Now, where your your favorite, <laughs> Barcelona, lost to Real Betis by a go to knee. Not only did they lose, they also, they also lost Gavi to injury. I mean, these are warning times for Barcelona. And uh, 
if the way things are going, do you think Barcelona will finish in the top four? Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. And as for my favorites, I don't know. I honestly don't know what to say, but I think saying Barcelona is um, undergoing um, a tough time is like more of an understatement and overstatement in the sense that I think um, Xavi should should focus more on performance than results because honestly we, we it is quite vivid that he has changed quite a few things the the way we the urgency with the player and everything but at the same time we are still very much predictable it is as if we don't have that ideas up front and that's why i keep saying we need an attacking midfielder that can link the middle up with the the midfield with the um the attackers because we can't keep focusing on using wingers all the time trying to expand the uh, the, the field and all the opponents we play will definitely get to that but we need someone who can walk through the middle and that was the job of Messi, the creativity in the middle that can link up with anybody up front i think that's one of the issues we have and honestly he needs to start focusing more on performance because there were some shambolic performances today especially that abde guy the abde that guy putting on 33 abde is i don't know he is not playing for the team if you want to play at barcelona then you obviously know how to play for the team because it is more than a club you are not here to come and show your individual performance or anything if you want to show your individual performance then definitely use your performance to help the team that is one thing i like about pedri he's not about scoring goals he might he hardly even see him assisting but you would definitely see the impact of his gameplay in the midfield that big guy was really dreadful aside the fact that he was just trying to push the ball go on the run dread very dreadful in the first half because there were opportunities where he could have passed the ball to dest just whipping in crosses into the into the uh, 18 yard box and everything but he would collect the ball instead of it to pass you want to dribble and then take sh- what kind of stupid play is that and then i feel Xavi needs to give Cortillo more chances too because honestly he should have not he should he shouldn't have removed Cortillo. having Cortillo on the field with dembele and they were fracking the jungle in the middle would probably have led to all scoring a goal in, in that match but oh I guess it happened the way it happened and another thing is you still we we need to create an avenue to bring in memphis into the game because under command we had a situation whereby memphis was more involved in the game but looking at the games we've played under shavi now we, we are not seeing the impact of memphis because the, the, the typical barcelona style won't necessarily bring in a, a striker into the gameplay what you need is someone prolific up front that can take chances and that was why the likes of Eto, the likes of uh, um suarez were very um successful at backer and if you look at the likes of david villa henry we had to convert them to wingers for them to be effective up front too because they are most their strikers whereby they they need to be involved in the gameplay but I just hope Xavi would look at his look at that issue to an and I, I I think 
it is going to be beneficial if we start bringing in Luke Dijon in on time. So as I said, we need to bring in um, Luke Dijon and incorporate him. I don't see anything wrong with crossing and passing. So far, you don't base it on your entire um, tactics for the entire match. Bringing on Luke Dijon for the for the final seven eight minutes was not that effective. Bring him in on time. And then you whip in crosses and allow because McBatra was just um, um, overshadowing Memphis with all the everything like. But if you have two players up front attacking the the um, the five and four, then definitely you would have chances with your crosses and everything like that. So we need to look at the performance over the result because he's too focused on the results and performance and then if the results keep coming in we we'll just feel that they are playing good football but when we meet bigger opponents now we we'll definitely have to struggle because of the way they plan that was what happened against real betis too they, they they decided to sit at the back and then counter attack even albert was quite dreadful too no meaningful cross nothing nothing we need to look at the gameplay and then and then I've, i also talked about the issue of the buyers to using la Masia players and you trying to buy all the spanish players with coma it was all the dutch players now we have it's just a um, spanish player what is well probably i need to start looking for a new team and then oh the other matches to sevilla was quite a very good match too and it was quite tough for them too but they decided to scale through and they won one oh which was quite fascinating because it has pushed them up the table too at the detriment of Atletico losing to one died just at the final stage just at that Maloka were, were very relentless very very relentless because they knew they, they, they understood the assignment of keeping um, Atletico at bay definitely did not allow them to take um a lot of their chances even if you look at the statistics because um uh, um atletico had a lot of uh, had about five to six um shots on target and then maloka had just three but they were they were decisive and they were precise with whatever it is they wanted to do up front and that was why they were able to hurt atletico madrid at the at the final stage of the game which was something that still happened relatively similar to the um, Barcelona versus Ribetis match too. And looking at um, the games, going back to Sevilla too, I don't know, but they seem to be having these issues with goal scoring and all. Because when they started the season, we had um, issues of um, um, Lamela coming in, winning the match and all, scoring goals and all. But now he's out. And they have Erna series is out too with injury too. And they seem to be having issues scoring up front too. But I guess that is the way it is and now we have uh, madrid leading the table and all their game is still ongoing and definitely it is one though now vinicius too i don't know what what kind of form that guy is on right now but he seems to be scoring from any angle and taking his chances and that is what we need Barcelona to do we need decisive goal scorers dembele can be but he's always I don't know maybe losing concentration or he doesn't know how to shield the ball that is my problem he doesn't know how to shield the ball just feels like so far he can use the right and left you should play i don't know he needs training in that aspect you know we go oh, for Barcelona performance will bring in, improving the performance will bring in their results for atletico madrid i feel 
the 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 orthodox way of defending and uh, waiting taking on counter attack and people people are already he needs to simeone needs to be creative with the way he is always approaching matches too i don't understand the reason why he had to bench suarez too for this match but probably because of the champions league coming up and he felt he would be needing suarez for that crucial match against the um, who are they playing here? Is it not Liverpool? I, I think so. So, so that is just it. <laughs> I was waiting for Alagi to finish his epistle on Barcelona's mysteries. Yes, Atletico Madrid is going to face Atletico, uh, sorry, Porto in the last group game in the UEFA Champions League over the week, and it's a must win tie for Diego Simone's men. Yeah, it's so sad that Alagi will not be with us for the rest of the segment. Uh, but then we should not forget that Real Madrid also recorded a 2 0 victory over fake title challengers Rush Saidat, courtesy of a goal of of a goal from Vinicius Jr. and uh, the Serbian Lukadjovic is quite unfortunate for the Los Blancos that they lost their I mean their striker and also the skipper Luka Karim Benzema to the hamstring injury in that game and it is a big concern for Carlo Ancelotti but then to see Lukadjovic come uh, coming for the French one and getting a goal that should boost the morale of uh, Lukadjovic and Carlo uh, Ancelotti can hope that Lukanjovic can step into the big shoes of the, of the Frenchman. I mean, what if season Vinicius Junior is having? He has now scored 10 goals this season. I mean, that is more than Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo combined. I mean, fantastic guy this guy is. Uh, yes, uh, with that victory, uh, Real Madrid now sits comfortably. They sit with the cushion chair, <laughs> like what people will say on the Spanish division table. They sit on, uh, yes, with 39 points, first on the log, eight points ahead of Sevilla, who sit in second spot uh, with 31 points. Though Sevilla have a game made hands, Sevilla for recorded a one victory over VRL over the weekend. Yeah, Ona Henry um, is a dead man walking at this moment. His VRL side have only won just one of their last six games. Uh, Toby, welcome back to the show. So, let's start with the Bundesliga, the Classica, at the Signal Zonal Park. Borussia Dortmund lost at home to Bayern Munich, 3 goes 2. Yeah, Bayern have now won Borussia Dortmund seven times consecutively. I mean, seven wins on the road. It's now seven wins in seven for the Bavarians. I mean, this guy is, I mean, anytime this game is coming up, keep saying, yeah, it promises to be a, 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 yeah, a training encounter on both sides. But Bayern keep on winning. And... At the end of the day, also, it will also tell on the Dortmund players that uh, this psychological trauma that this will inflict on the Dortmund players, knowing that whatever they do, they are still going to lose. Um, it's a pleasure to be back on the show, football jurist. Um, honestly, we all knew this was the outcome, despite the fact that the, the Classica used to be an interesting one. It's usually an interesting encounter. It serves up entertainment 100%. We all know how the affair ends up season after season. It's a fact, it's just a judicial notice. Bayern Munich is like, they're like a lifetime apart from BVB, squad-wise, talent-wise, everything-wise. So I don't really expect BVB to, I don't know, to spring a surprise anytime. So when I expected them to spring a surprise was during the Sancho season, when they had wingers at the firepower, but they didn't. So I don't really know why anyone is finding this surprising. But um, kudos to 
PVB, despite the fact that they've been limping outside the league, they stood up to Bayern Munich a couple of times. Um, I think they had they had themselves to blame for to them for today's loss because I think Marco Mats Ohms, yes, Mats Ohms was instrumental in a couple of Bayern Munich goals, especially the one he failed to control he had before Muller ran away with the ball and failed to control the ball. Lewandowski scored and also the penalty. I think was it not? Yeah, yeah, it says um, Koma's second goal too. It was also resulting from the fault of um, Mats Holmes. I think they are their own nemesis in this situation. Um, but BVB can build on this. They can build on this and the previous result. They just need to go back, watch and learn and build on it. But then, that being said, Bayern Munich also builds on their build that victory. So, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be an hard one for BVB to overcome Bayern Munich anytime soon. But I will be hoping to see a day BVB overcome Bayern Munich. But... As it, as it is now, I really don't think they can must not be correct to overcome BVB. You said they'll be losing the morale. I, I really don't think they'll be losing. They'll be more motivated despite because um, I think they were they, they, they were let down today by the by referee. That's what that's what that is the general connotation or that's that's the general atmosphere of the BVB players. I think they felt they were let down by the referee. So I think they'll be more motivated to do more next time. They will be more they'll be more zealous to come out. And counter any refing, any bad refing of his, any bad refing or any refing favoritism. So I really don't think they'll be let down. I don't think the morale will be down. I think they will keep on forging ahead after this defeat. Uh, so Toby, Toby, let's talk about the off-field incident that happened after that encounter. We saw you, Bellingham. I mean, in an interview, complaining about the referee. I mean, citing the fact that the referee was in charge of that game, uh, whose name is Velix uh, Wire. I mean, was for someone that have once been convicted for bribery. I mean, why should someone like that be in charge of a game of that magnitude? And we should not forget that there were also some um, questionable calls in that encounter. Do you, um, do you also think that that penalty, uh, that pen, I mean, the penalty that gave Bayern money, the victory was a penalty, I mean, with Umers really and was that really a handball from Matt Umers? And did you also think Marco Roy should have gotten a penalty from the other box? Now, this kind of situations are quite common in football from time to time. As a couple of times you will see players who feel they 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 got they got they were not favored by refereeing in a match show their outburst after the match. It's it's a it's a common occurrence in football. Yeah, it's a common occurrence in football. Players air their view on refereeing after the match. I mean this instance, I really I don't think um Jude Bellingham went overboard or out of board. Or out of out of space, rather. He didn't go overboard with this. Um, but it was just that <laughs> I don't know. I really did not see the match, but I saw the incidents where PVB legitimately had a PK turned down, a PK appeal turned down. It went to death years, but then it is within the referees. Um, it is within the referees' orbits to call a PK or the video assistant referees to call the referee's attention to a, a potential penalty for him to check it if it's a penalty or not. So I don't know why he's allotting the blame solely to the referee and not the refereeing team as a whole. Um, having said that, uh, moving on to the allegation of the referee, um, the allegation, the match fix allegation is not solely on Zige. What's, what's that? Like, I, really don't, I can't remember his name. I often forget his name. It's not really on him alone because um, as at the point in time when the atrocity was committed, I think he was only, um, I think, was it, was it, well, he was a third official or so, he was not the referee in charge, he was just an assistant referee or so, a third official or just a referee, yeah, I can remember, a third referee, 
as a third referee or assistant referee he was not the referee in charge so he really did not play a major part in the in the scandal as a matter of fact his, his part was just like the last one and the refereeing part he was the third official in the scandal so his part was not major i think it's just his part was very very minor so that's why that is why he's still going around refereeing games um i don't know some rumor even said he was under called the bluff of the of the scandal I, I i don't want to delve into that but i know as a matter of fact that he was not the key player in the scandal he was just a um we just caught in a line of fire that is just it uh, having said that Referees are not they are not robots, they are not AIs. They they get some they get some um some decisions bad and they get some spot on. But today we saw um a potential penalty call go to deaf years, deliver regional and referee to the not call the referee back. So um the fault is on both parties, both the assistants and the referee. It's on the referee's team, not just the referee solely. But aside that I think um the game the game was fine, but <laughs> referees are human, so they are bound to make mistakes from time to time. We thought we had seen it all on the Freiburg fried Borussia with a Gladbach by six goals to me. I mean, and all the six goals were scored in the first half. Interesting, Toby. Um, no one expected this. No one actually saw this coming. Freiburg trashing much and Gladbach at home. Six goals to nil in the first 40 minutes was something no one would have predicted. Well, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit happy. Yeah, I'm happy because much um, of disgraced my manager in the DFK. Now they've gotten their own karma, they say. He never let anyone go. It always comes back to haunt you. Um, today, I don't think Yamsoman is to blame. I don't think your goalkeeper is to blame. Yamsoman's arm, he, he tried his best because from the highlight I saw, the 10 minute clip of highlight, as I was not opportunity to watch the match, um, Yamsoman did his best. He actually did his best. Yeah, he tried his best. But then, their defense was just lax. Their defense was so porous today. They could not deal with um, Griffo. Griffo, Griffo was, was a menace. He was just running around. Every set piece Griffo had led to a goal in the first half. Every set piece he had. He played two corners. I think he had played two corners, two corners led to a goal. He played two free kicks, he led to a goal. So I don't understand. They they seems it seems their downfall was basically failure to control the set pieces. That was basically that because four goals were from set pieces. It was failure to control the set pieces, set pieces of Griffo. They could not clear properly or could not even attempt to clear off. I don't know. I really don't know what to say. It's it's it's, it's just surprising. I was I was bewildered that seeing the same thing repeat itself, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Griffo takes a set piece, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. But well, I think they let them let them learn their lesson. They should not be disgracing teams like Bayern Munich anymore. Yeah, let's talk from Sereha. Sorry, the uh sorry, the Ligue 1 rider uh lanes I mean held Paris in Germain to a one hold draw. Yes, but in German still sit uh still sit comfortably on top of the Lord. But then with these performances, with these bad performances, uh, uh, we keep seeing from Paris and German week in, week out. I mean, should you be, um, should Mauricio Pochettino be worried that he might not last long, or I mean, at this job, or do, or do you see Mauricio Pochettino being sacked before the end of this? I've always said it. I've never hidden my resentment towards Pochettino. I've always said it. Pochettino, to me, is not a top coach. It's just, it's just the... It's just there. He's not. He's not a top coach. He's not one for PSG. I've always said it. I really don't see him as someone to take PSG to the next level. I've always said this, and I'll keep on saying it. Pochettino does not know what is right and what needs to be done for this PSG team. So, I really don't. I really don't see what um the PSG owners see in Pochettino. But I have not seen it, and I don't think I'll ever see it. But I feel strongly that very soon they will let him go if he keeps up this bad performance, despite the 
and as I able lead the, the currently old, I, I don't think that this, that display reflects that they are that they reflects that they are so disjointed. They are not they are not they don't play as a team. I sometimes I beg to ask myself, I begin to ask myself, do these guys even train or they just take balls and do individual sessions? Like do they train as a team? I, I really don't know because I don't know. They just they they, they they are so disjointed sometimes. So I don't know. I really don't know what what Pochettino has in stock or what magic he has. But but then it's not really not entirely his fault. You, you can't entirely blame a coach like Pochettino because he has never ma- he has never managed a super a, a superstar field team like this. Um, he he might have um a couple of some a couple of times he might have um, edict selection because his team is filled with superstars. Knowing who to use a, a over who sometimes it it could be very very it could be very tedious sometimes. But then. Notwithstanding, this guy is not a top coach. If he was, if he was a good coach, you would know you would know how to mix his team. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I shouldn't come out too strong this position. I just I just hope for the best. But PSG has been doing so poorly in the league. They've been doing so poorly in the league despite the fact they've been playing so poorly in the league. Sorry, despite the fact that they've been winning ugly, they've been playing so poorly. That let's not let's not get deceived by their um, their huge gap point gap difference. But PSG has not impressed in the league this season to me. They've not been impressive. Okay, Toby, what is going on at Brest? I mean, Brest, I mean, Brest defeated will make Marseille at home. They defeated will make Marseille right on their own path by two goals to one. These guys are the most informed team in the league. They've won their last six games. Impressive. I mean, what is going on there? I have been singing this Brest song for a long time. Those guys have been brilliant. They've been impeccable. Like you rightly said, they've been unbeaten in the last six or seven matches. And the last time I could remember them losing was sometime in September against Nice. That has been an impressive run. They've been so impressive this season. Um, big kudos, big kudos to the, to the manager and big kudos to Roman Fev. More importantly, the guy Milan is chasing after. Big kudos to him. I really do hope um, these lads could, could see their fairy tale run to secure an European spot. If not, a top four finish. A European spot will do, but, but then... We, we don't know what could happen within week from week 17 to week 34. Anything could happen if Milan ends up taking their, their star boy five. They could all crumble. But then they've been, they've been doing a brilliant job. They are the most informed team in the league. They go on. Oh, they are the most informed team. No doubt. Caps off to them. Yeah. Toby doesn't miss. Uh, Toby doesn't miss uh, himself and his Milan ways. Uh, thanks for coming uh, on the show. So do enjoy your week. The pleasure is all my football dress, honestly. The pleasure is all my. I do hope to continue serving you guys host content whenever you call on me. That aside, Milan is also going to serve you people host content this coming Tuesday in the Champions League when they serve Liverpool hot, hot in San Siro. Watch out. <laughs> Yeah, Tobeski, it's good to have you back on the show. Yeah, let's talk about uh, some Serie High games. Uh, Roma were defeated at the Stadio Olimpico by Inter Milan, the defending champions, by three goals to need. Roma now sits sixth on the log. I mean, nine points off the top four. I mean, Tobeski, I'm inclined to, I mean, I'm inclined to say that it's not a special about Jose Mourinho again. I mean, look at what he did as Paul, got sacked as Paul. I mean, got sacked at Manchester United and Roma, where we thought we could even do something tangible, but then it seems there's no difference between himself and Paulo, uh, Paulo Fonseca, the man the let's go. I mean, it, it, I mean, what do you think? I mean, is there, is there, do you think there's still anything special about Jose Mourinho? 
Yeah, it's good to be back on the show. I'm so happy to be back. Before I say anything, won't you congratulate me? At least give me kudos. All my predictions in the preview in the preview show was correct. I predicted a Milan win with minimum of two goals. I predicted an Inter Milan win against Roma. Then I also said Atlanta won't lose. They either win or they draw against Napoli. So I'm correct. In the Jose Mourinho's case, it seems the special one is not special anymore. There is nothing special about the special one again. I'm not surprised. Mourinho's reputation in world football is going down. That is what some people don't want to agree. Mourinho is still living on the past glory. The little influence he still has in football now is based on what he has done in the past. Mourinho can't attract... Um, how will I say it? Big clubs are not attracted to Mourinho again. That is why it is. That's why he is getting clubs like Roma before Roma he coached Tottenham. Ten years ago, Mourinho won't accept a job like Tottenham, talkless of Roma. So it's obvious. It's obvious. He's complaining. He's complaining directly about the squad that Roma has. But this was the same squad he approved before the season started. There is no difference between him and Fonseca. In fact, at this stage, at this stage last season, Fonseca has not lost as many games as Mourinho has lost this season. It's just what it is. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Roma will struggle. I'm not so Roma will struggle and they will keep on struggling. And the, the, the problem is that sacking him will be difficult because of the high salary he is on. The money he's earning is is high. He's, I think is the is the is the highest earner in the league. Him and Massimiliano Allegri of Juventus. So sacking him will be difficult. Well, let's still give him time. At least we'll still use his past glory to say let's give him time. But me personally, I'm not expecting anything and I'm not surprised with what is happening to Roma currently now. Yes, uh, Napoli also lost at home to uh, Atalanta by three goals to two. And it seems uh, injuries are beginning to catch up on the uh, Napoli side. I mean, that was a game where they, where they didn't have uh, Lorenzo Insignia. I mean, their skipper, our own Victor Shime, Fabian Ruiz, I mean, Kalidou Koulibaly. Uh, but then that's not to take anything away from Atalanta's win, but then the injuries also had a say in that result. Um, in the Napoli and Atlanta's game, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Just like I said in the preview show, in the preview show that I wasn't expecting Napoli win. The highest they could get was a draw. Even without the injury problems, even without the injured players, even if those players were available, I didn't still see Napoli beating Atlanta. I didn't see it. I didn't see them beating Atlanta. Because Atlanta was Atlanta is beginning to get their mojo back. Atlanta is beginning to play. Atlanta is beginning to play like the like the Atlanta we saw two, three seasons ago. So I was not really surprised. I was not surprised. Although it's normal, it's normal Napoli miss their players. It's normal they miss their players. Especially players like Osime, Insigne, Kulibali. And this Cameroonian has been so excellent for them this season since they joined from Fuam and Guisa. But all in all, I felt even if those players were available, Atlanta would still get a, at least a draw. But this is a sign. I've been saying it. I've been saying it since the season started that all what Napoli is doing, we will get to know. We will get to know how serious they are or if they can actually challenge when injury starts setting in and when they start facing the big teams. And with what I've been seeing so far, I don't think, I don't think they can challenge. 
because now that they are having injury problems they are struggling and apart from the injury problems even in the in the big games they've played so far this season they've struggled they defeated a depleted uv side missing seven starters seven key players they defeated them 2-1 they couldn't beat roma they couldn't beat inter now they couldn't beat atlanta so so i'm not so i'm not really impressed with napoli Atlanta. I mean, they are the most informed team in the league at the moment. I mean, they've won, they've won, uh, they've won their last five games, and they are just four points out of four. I mean, it seems the title, the title race might not be, might not be a three title race after all. <laughs> the, the title race is a two title race. I'm sorry to say, not not a three title race or a four title race. The title race this season is going to be between Inter Milan and AC Milan. With all due respect to Atlanta, I don't see them challenging for the title. I think the best they could get is the top they can get is a top four finish. They should aim for a top four finish. And I know, I know that is what they are aiming for. I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting them to challenge for the title, even with their form. They may be the most informed team in the league, but I don't think they have the quality and the depth. Apart from quality, the most important thing is the depth. They don't have the depth. By the time they start also facing the same thing Napoli is facing, I mean in the case of injury crisis. We will see that Atlanta too will struggle. So I feel the league is between AC Milan or Inter Milan. But Inter Milan is the favorite. Inter Milan is the favorite. Because Simeone is so wise. Simeone Zaghi is so wise. He's building on what Antonio Conte has built on. And they have a large they have a larger squad compared to the rest of the, the compared to the rest of the teams. They have a larger squad. The fact that Simeone can easily rotate his players, especially his strikers, shows that their squad is large. They have four strikers in Zeko, Inzaghi, Angel Correa and Lotaro Martinez. Four players, four strikers. How many teams in the league has that? So, AC Milan, AC Milan, I feel AC Milan will challenge more if they, if they go out of Europe, if they are eliminated out of Europe. But even if they are still in Europe, they will still give Inter Milan and run for their money. But as for the other teams, I don't think so. Napoli will struggle. Napoli will struggle and Atlanta too might struggle. Yeah, lastly, uh, your Juventus condemned Andrew Shevchenko slayed uh, Genoa to another 2 0 loss. And that means Genoa is now without a win, without a win under the, for, I mean, the former Ukraine coach. I mean, but what is now back to back wins? for the old lady and you must be happy at the moment that maybe momentum momentum is beginning to return to the old lady yeah yeah i'm happy for the juventus game at least they won back to back syria victory it's been long i saw juventus do that yeah I'm not surprised. I don't want to come. I don't want to talk much about the game because it was going to be an easy game, just like I said. Just like I said before, it's going to. It was going to be an easy game because Gen- Genoa is really struggling under Andrew Shevchenko. They've not scored any goal. They've not won any game under Andrew Shevchenko so far. And most importantly, they have lots of injury crises. They are missing nine players, nine key players in their team. And going to the Juventus Stadium for a struggling team, also missing nine key players, was never going to be easy, regardless of the form Juventus is in. 
So I expected Juventus to win, so I'm not surprised. And I said Juve should score at least two goals, and they did that. Although Juve was so wasteful, it was a one-sided game, but a win is still a win. Juventus are now in fifth. Maybe they can still hope for a top-four finish. Yeah, thank you, Dubeski. Thanks for coming on the show. I think before you leave, just have an applause for your spot-on predictions. Do have a wonderful week. Uh, I've been taking you around the top five leagues in Europe. This way, we shall be drawing the questions on the podcast. Do not forget that the next episode drops next week Friday, where we shall be taking a preview of some of the key games that will be going down across the top five leagues in Europe. You can follow us on social media, Twitter and with tweets at Sun, tweets at Sun in capital letters on Facebook Sports Analysis Network and on Instagram Sports Analysis Network. Do have a fantabulous week.